Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Robert with my co-host, Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. And later in the show, early Rockets preseason thoughts and the other Houston versus Texas big game this week. Yeah, there's another Houston versus Texas thing going on. And if you need an Astros fix, listen to our live Astros post games. Steven's doing a fantastic job with me on those. And Sean, let's get into the Texans right off the bat. I was reading that in the New York Times, there's now a 42% chance the Texans can make the playoffs. Yes, playoffs. We're talking playoffs. It's now almost a coin toss. So I'd figure I'd put you on the spot. Do you think they will? I'd bet on it because it's probably pretty damn good odds. You know, aside from the percentages, you could probably put some money on it and make some if, in fact, they do. It's such a pivotal time in the NFL right now because nine of these teams, you know, are holding down a 3-3 three and three record right now. And Nick Casario even alluded to it the other day when he was asked about it, but he's right. You know, pretty much half the dang league is either 3-3 three and three or 3-2. Three and two. And so the question at this point in time, at least amongst those – three and three teams because there's fewer of them there's nine who's for real and who's not at this point in time and when you talk about the Texans amongst a bunch of other middling teams the one that maybe doesn't fit in that whole scenario was the Cincinnati Bengals but hey they are where they are they're three and three right now maybe that's one of those teams that should go the other way they should get back to you know a certain level of dominance in which they've had under Joe Burrow as their quarterback the last couple of years Texans will find out themselves because they got them on the schedule coming up in about four or five weeks, I believe. I think the Texans have a really good shot. Right now, looking at the schedule, I could give you four wins that I think the Texans should absolutely have. Hold on. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Hold that thought because I want to go through the schedule. Let's do it. That's that's exactly what I wanted to do, and I wanted you to tell me, is this game a win or a loss? And let's calculate their potential record from Sean Bajani doing his Swami prediction here. Uh, you ready? Yeah, let's do it, man. First game out of the break, they're at the Panthers and Bryce Young. Texans have three wins. Are they going to have four after this first game? Yeah, they should. And, and, you know, I'll preface all these predictions by, and, you know, I'd said I, I, I give you four locks right now for the remainder of 11 weeks or was it uh, 12 weeks of the season for the Texans. It's that quote-unquote – feel of, yeah, we should beat that team based on what they're looking like, where they're at right now through six weeks of an NFL season. The Carolina Panthers, certainly with everything they've got going on with their quarterback situation, a sputtering offense, not a complete team, hadn't put together a complete football game yet. I can make the argument that while the Texans, you know, yeah, they're three and three, they're a 500 ball club, put together four really darn good complete football games, one of which the Falcons just happened to not go their way. The defense collapsing uh, late down the stretch, the offense in the second half, not able to do anything, but yeah, that should be the fourth win for the Texans coming out of the bye against the Panthers. All right, let's go for five wins. They host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who you got in that one? I'm, I'm kind of a closet Baker Mayfield fan. I'm glad to see him doing so well with the Buccaneers. I just want that guy to find a spot and stick for a little bit. But all, all that aside, Tampa Bay is a solid football team, and even though the Texans host them, that might be actually the first game in which it feels like a home field advantage for the Texans this year, to be quite honest with you, because I don't know how well 
<laughs> Tampa Bay Buck fans travel. We know where the Steelers do. We know the Saints do. This might be a very big home game for the Texans. It's one of those games that, yeah, they could win, but I'm not I'm not giving it to them yet. I mean, I'll I have to give it to the Bucks right now. It's probably four and four after that game. Okay. Now they're at the Bengals with Joe Burrow. That's a loss, right? You're not going to give them that one. Uh, on the road, you know, you would think so. A lot of it depends on Burrow's health and stuff like that. But just the feel of the schedule right now, yeah, they're four and five after that game. Yeah, Burrow's getting healthier too, so that's not helping you. And then they host the Arizona Cardinals, who can't be happy about that about Will that. Henderson first round pick value right now. Is that a that's got to be a win, right? You're going to jump I mean, them, give them one more. That's one of my locks. That's my second lock for a couple of reasons. It's it's a home game. Uh, Cardinals aren't very good. Now, granted, they, they started the season playing some teams pretty close and, you know, maybe furling some eyebrows a little bit, staying in some games, I believe, with the Giants and the Commanders their first couple of weeks. But, look, that, that's just not going to be a good football team. They've got too many holes, too many questions. That's going to be probably the worst team in the league at season's end. The Texans are trending in the right direction and coming off of uh, a loss to the Bengals. That's a get-right game for the Texans, and they take care of business. That's a lock. What That should put them at, uh, what, six wins at that point in time? I think you got five right now because you're not giving them oh, the Bengals. Yeah. You're not giving them Tampa necessarily. So you got you got five wins. Yeah, that'd be then, five and five. Mm -hmm. Then they host the Jags, a.k.a. the Texans' daddy, Sean. Come on, give them that one. Give them it. I mean, that's one of those that I'm considering. It's not a lot for me. I mean, you already took you already took it from them in convincing fashion week three. It's a very gettable game, uh, to be honest with you. But if we're going to look at this schedule, like with the Bengals, the Jets, the Browns, the Jaguars, this game, as, as games in which could and should have playoff implications uh, and regarding the Texans, to me, it's about those games in between, those four locks, the games that you should win. They're confidence boosters. They get right games. You're playing well. You have to be able to do it against the teams that maybe you're not projected to play very well against or much less win. The Jags is one of those games. You know, I know what the numbers say on the road. That's a game that I could see them getting. I'll, I'll say yes. They're 6-5 and five after week 12 in the Jags, the Jacksonville game. Yeah, I mean they're they're at home for that one, and and they've already beat them on the road, so that would be six wins. And then they host Sean. This should be a W two. The Broncos, Sean Payton's Broncos. Hey, there's some Texans fans that might might want to let Sean Payton hear about a little bit. He 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 wanted to go to Denver and kind of put the poo poo on the Texans. So that that's kind of a revenge game too against Sean Payton. It is, and it's kind of an affirmation game, right? Like that. Hey, you know, again, you know, you got the right guy in D'Amico Ryan's and. You're going to hear a lot of conversation leading up to that game, whereas, you know, maybe the more so we hear now that Sean Payton really ever wasn't being considered to be a Texans guy. And I think we certainly now know that he wouldn't have been a fit here, uh, at least with his demeanor and personality, personality and character for that matter. But look, Denver Broncos are not a good football team. The Texans get their second win in a row. You're talking about a seven and five football team, a seven and five Houston Texans football team at the conclusion of business of week 13. The hardest team for me to figure out is whenever the Texans play the Titans, they're pesky. I don't know what, what's going to happen with these two. It's it's typically close. Can they get to eight wins with the Titans? Well, don't forget about the Jets. You're skipping the Jets. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, that's, that's yeah, Texans at Zach Wilson's oh. New York Jets. Zach Wilson, you cannot 
beat a Zach Wilson if you're a C.J. Stroud, right? That's that's an impossible win. Let's see. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight weeks. Eight weeks, Robert, between now and then in which Aaron Rodgers has his Achilles time to heal. <laughs> Are we going to be talking about a possible Aaron Rodgers return? No, at that point? no, no, no. Now? I don't know. So, and to be honest with you, it remains to be seen what exactly the Jets can pull out of their butt, even with Zach Wilson at their quarterback. Is that defense uh, going to look much more like they did through the first 10 weeks of last season than they did the last seven weeks of last season? I don't know. It remains to be seen. That's one of those toss-up games. But again, as you're looking at it right now, that's the eighth win for the Houston Texans after week 14. This is an eight and five football team, an eight and five football team. Wow. And, and then the Titans. I'd like to think you get a split. It's probably not going to come on the road, in my opinion, right now. And it has a little bit more to do with what the Titans are looking like at this point in time versus the kind of games that we always talk about that we see between these teams in the AFC South doesn't matter if it's just, it's ugly usually, right? Albeit uh, week three for the Texans, notwithstanding and week two for that matter against Anthony Richardson and the Colts, notwithstanding they're typically, you know, grinded out type of games. The Texans are showing a different vibe right now. I think that's going to be another ugly one, but it's a tough one to get on the road in Tennessee. That's a football team that might be playing some better ball by that point in time. So eight and six after the Titans game, I'll give them the loss on that one. All right. This next one's a fun one. They host Deshaun's Browns and who knows where we we're going to be with Deshaun. He's not playing. Is he going to be healthy? What's happening with them? But that defense, Sean, I don't care who they have at quarterback. That's a legit defense, like just like the Jets' defense is. Yeah, it's a legit defense, just like the Jets. You know, they faced a pretty darn good one in the Pittsburgh Steelers and did well. They faced a pretty darn good ones against the New Orleans Saints and did pretty darn well. They faced a pretty good one in the Atlanta Falcons and had an opportunity to close the game late. C.J. Stroud did his job. You know, the Texans' defense just couldn't uh, play the bend but don't break. They broke at the end. I don't know. It, it, so much is up in air with Deshaun Watson and his health. That's a game that literally at this point in time is a coin flip, but it's a home game. I don't trust Deshaun Watson's play and health. And yeah, the fact that the Browns have pretty damn good defense against the more seasoned Texans offense by that point in time, you're talking about nine, 10 weeks down the road. I'll give the Texans a dub there. What would that be? Nine and nine and six at the close of week 16, nine and six. I'm confident in that. Okay. Then the Texans, they got another game against the Titans this time at NRG stadium. It's at home. I got to believe the Texans get the split in the division against the Titans, and that's going to put them at 10 wins. Wow. 10, <laughs> 10 wins. And, and and we still have a game to go. They finish with Gardner Minshew's Colts. It's Gardner Minshew from here on out for the Colts. Yeah, we know how good Gardner Minshew looked like when he came in for Anthony Richardson. That's that's going to be a tough game. That's at Indianapolis. And you remember the ghosts that have reared their head in years past when Peyton Manning was a quarterback in Indianapolis. Texans couldn't win a damn game. And when they finally did, it didn't matter. Came in a season in which it didn't matter. I still don't think the Texans have won a game at Indianapolis in a season in which it actually mattered. I could be wrong. Maybe they've done it once. But, man, is this Texan team going to win 11 games this season? I mean, uh, if I've got them at 10-6 and six going into Week 18, what the hell? I mean, give me 11, give me 11 and 6 at the conclusion of Week 18. We'll see how dumb I am, you know, in 12 weeks. But, man, I got to feel pretty good. If you're ten and six with an opportunity, maybe playing for the division at that point in time, uh, maybe not. 
maybe to solidify a seed in the postseason. I don't know. Maybe you've got it locked up and you're resting guys. I don't know. What the hell am I doing? I'm going to go 10 and 7. They'll lose a game before they go to the playoffs and win the division. 10 and 7. Even 10 and 7. It's just crazy to think. And and look at these games. None of them feel like they're impossible. It feels like the Texans can be in all of these games. You know, Joe Burrow would be the one you go, oh, well, they there's a one super advantage for the other quarterback. One guy's been the Super Bowl. You know, C.J. Stroud, for as much as we love what he's done, he's still a rookie. But it's not like the Bengals look like world beaters right now. And things can change there. But, it, it, I mean, it's just unbelievable now what we're talking about, Sean. This is unbelievable. We were talking about a team that, what were they like, a six and a half with Vegas to start the season? Yeah. And it, it feels like there's no way it's not the over right now. I think it started at five and a half pre-draft and then it crept up to six and a half uh, just ahead of the start of the regular season. Out of the four lock games that I have, you know, going forward, and that's Carolina, Arizona, Denver, and the Jets. There's four games that I feel like I, I feel pretty good about, that I think everybody should feel pretty good about. There's four games. Now, if you go by, you know, just uh, surface-level logic, that you're going to lose some games that you should win, and you're going to win some games that you should lose. You good with three and one in that in those four games? That that puts you at six wins. What about the games that you have an opportunity to win, you don't feel great about, but you don't feel horrible about against Tampa Bay, against Cincinnati, another one against uh, Jacksonville, two against Tennessee, one against Cleveland, and the final one against Indianapolis. I mean, are you good with at least three more wins out of those seven games? I mean, if you do, then there's nine wins right there with an opportunity to split one with the Titans, an opportunity to win one more game than maybe you shouldn't win. I mean, that's how you arrive at 10 wins. We just went through it. So I think the fact that you just can't count the Texans out of any one of these games through six weeks looking ahead is, like you said, it's incredible. It's awesome, but it's real. We know what we're seeing. They've performed well against good defenses. Bobby Slowick has shown the propensity to be able to game plan against good defenses, adjust in-game against good defenses. D'Amico Ryans has shown the ability to adjust in-game against pretty good offenses, against an offense that he couldn't figure out, you know, for a while with the New Orleans Saints, with the Atlanta Falcons. He ended up breaking, but a play or two here or there, and we're talking about a different result. The Pittsburgh Steelers, same thing. You know, going into that game, it was like, eh, can he pick it? You know, is he the guy or not? But we found out at the conclusion of week four. So the fact that we're talking about these uh, these things with the Texans, it is incredible, but it's very real. If you're listening, if you're watching, make a comment on our YouTube channel. How many games do you think the Texans are going to win? Let us know. How many wins can they get now? Now that there's a real playoff, hope, Sean, Casario was asked about the potential of making a trade at the deadline. And, Sean, I wanted to ask you, which position or positions would you trade for, if any? And forget about specific players at this point, but just positions. And what would you be willing to give up, especially considering where the franchise is right now? I mean, you're, you're, you're at the beginning of this curve. Well, the Texans just uh, picked up uh, a linebacker. Maybe you know how to say his name better than I do. Uh, is it Maggie? Maggie? Is it Maggie Sanders, I believe? Uh, 
uh, outside linebacker who seen his little highlight reel looks pretty damn good. Good edge guy. Uh, looks like a pretty good run stuffer guy to get to the quarterback. The Texans certainly needed help at linebacker because I think I've already told you this before. Blake Cashman's terrific. He's playing the best linebacker he ever and the most linebacker he's played in his career. Certainly playing the best linebacker the Texans have gotten this season. And that's with Denzel Perryman healthy. And he hasn't been healthy since really week one. They need help at linebacker. Maybe this new guy uh, can help the Texans. So I really wouldn't anticipate them making a deal at linebacker. But where could they use the most help? I don't think it's going to come via the offensive line because they're about to get back to as close to full strength as possible uh, without Kenyon Green. You know, I would say maybe depth in the secondary, depth at corner. Uh, if you will, because, look, they're having to rely upon, you know, Shaq Griffin right now. Who knows if Derek Stingley's going to come back at all this season. He's dealing with the hamstring injury. He's on IR. I think he'll be eligible to come off after the bye week. But will he? Probably not. I've heard that they might keep him out up to eight weeks. So four more weeks with his hamstring injury. So we'll see on that. Texans can certainly use depth there at the corner position in a secondary that, look, you felt like, you could hang your hat on before the season with Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie, Steven Nelson. You can't bank on those guys, all of them staying healthy because Jimmy Ward, Jalen Petrie have already missed a couple of games. Shaq Griffin, their starters, already missed a game with the calf. You had to rely on Kadar Holman. Eric Murray's out with the torn yeah. meniscus right now. So that's yeah, another sure. hit to the sec- secondary. Uh, so you, Stewart, you know, he's the one guy that, you know, you have a little confidence in to fill that void, but Tavier Thomas played playing with a freaking club on his hand. He hasn't come back to full strength yet. So yeah, maybe the secondary is it. If you're talking about depth and stuff like that, you're just talking about late round picks. You're in other words, I think if the Texans fans are like, Oh, let's go get a number one wide receiver or, you know, something, I, I just don't see that happening. Cause you know, they're at this point in the and where they are at the beginning of this that you're not ready to go all in on getting this stuff and giving up second, third round picks and things like that, right? No, I, I fully I hundred percent agree with that. That's not the vibe you get, right? The Texans have performed pretty well and have seen pretty damn good results with the guys that they've gotten in house, which tells me that the talent evaluation via the draft, certainly free agency, has panned out you know, through the first six weeks of the regular season for the Texans. So there's no need to do anything hasty at this point in time. They like the guys they have in-house. Could they be better in some areas, be deeper in some areas? Yes. Uh, but at what cost? That is the ultimate question. And I think, you know, look, we know the answer to that. If it's going to cost the Texans any, anything north of, you know, I'd say a fourth-round pick, then it's probably something they're not going to be interested in. Um, With the is it, Let me ask you this, because, you know, you might go – well, maybe there's a, a really good defensive tackle or a really good linebacker that a, a team that's going downhill right now, you could get cheaply. But the issue, Sean, is typically don't, if, if that guy is becoming a free agent at the end of the year and this is a team that's not a good team, don't you just go, if, if we're not going to re-sign him, we can let him walk. And then there's that compensatory third round so so they're, they're going to want at least a third round or something like that is am I right about that I'm not going to lie I don't know the specifics on on that I mean it sounds sounds correct you know with the compensatory pick but uh would the Texans be willing to mortgage that get a rental player in here 
And trade deadline is August, not August, uh, October 31st. So you've got 11 days. I don't think the Texans are going to be in position in the course of the next 11 days to be able to make that sort of determination on is it worth spending draft capital, good draft capital on a rental player. I just, I don't foresee that. Um, I do think it is imperative that guys like Denzel Perryman, Henry Toa Toa, that's who they're relying upon, Christian Harris, step up their game uh, in a big way because as good as Blake Cashman's playing, he's not shown the ability throughout his career, whether it be a linebacker or a special teams ace, to stay healthy for 16 games in a season. Now, he played all 16 games last year, but he played in like 14% of the snaps defensively for the Texans, I believe, 24%. It was something like that. He's played in more snaps. I think 42% of the defensive snaps this year. It's the most linebacker he's ever played in his career. To ask him to be the guy week in and week out, given his you know, history with soft tissue injuries, is just not feasible. I think in a perfect world, they'd like to load manage him and use him when necessary. So you've got to get better play out of the linebacker core. I just don't think they're going to spend the draft capital to go get that guy, even if he's available. Maybe on the interior line, possibility, but you could be getting Hassan Ridgeway back you know, at some point in time. And Sheldon Rankins, over the last three four weeks, has played probably some of the best interior in the AFC, to be quite honest with you. Um, maybe Kurt Heinisch, you know, takes a step. Uh, Malik Collins has been Mr. Consistent on the interior as well, all season long. He's just a guy you can kind of hang your hat on and count on. You need to start seeing the production. You remember on our show a couple of, maybe a week or so ago, somebody said, man, you know what? You just get the feeling that somebody else should be eating on this D-line, and they're not because of the job that Will Anderson is doing. That's kind of the feeling that I get, and it could be coming from the interior. And so maybe we should be seeing more production from a, a Malik Collins or a Kurt Heinisch when he's in there or Sheldon Rankins in terms of quarterback hits, TFLs, and sacks. Before we hit the Rockets, Houston Cougar football got their first conference win as a member of the Big 12, Sean. How many times have you watched the replay on that one now? Dozen. <laughs> it was it was a glorious, glorious thing, man. It's uh it, it's one of those things that I mean it's it's a it's a hell of a play. It's so fun to watch, like at any level, you know, the Hail Mary and uh for a guy to come up with a ball like that. But I'm so sick and tired of the damn quote unquote cardiac kooks having to win in that form and fashion. Um and it's it's one of those things like, hey, you know, you'll take it, it's good, it's a big twelve win, awesome, but it's bittersweet in the fact that this Cougar team should be, in my opinion, a lot better than what they are right now. They should be a lot further along as an offense than what Dana Holgerson has got them functioning at right now. Uh, I'm just, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in the play that I've seen from Donovan Smith. I thought he'd be better. I'm disappointed in the fact that I don't feel like they've utilized a pretty damn special receiver core with Sam Brown, um, particularly um, Golden. I think those two guys are pretty dynamic at any level in college football. And I think their their complement in the run game with their power back in Campbell and Mathis and Snead is, you know, two different fast twitch speed guys, you know, out of the backfield. I don't think they're getting them on the edge enough. Um, I'm just – I'm very disappointed with the offense. And as much time as I think we focused on the offense, I think if we're being honest, 
you got to be disappointed in the defense as well for just not being a very good, fundamentally sound team. Still a poor tackling team. Uh, they've not shown the ability to get off the field on third downs, regardless of their opponent. And just disappointing across the board. I think, unfortunately, we kind of all know what's at hand, what's coming to them this weekend with number eight ranked uh, UT coming in. Can they keep it close against the Horns? And what percentage of TD ECU Stadium is going to be burnt orange? Jeez, man. I mean, go look at the Texans game, what it looks like when Steeler fans come in. Go look at the Texans game, and it looks like when, when Saint fans come in. I think yeah. I think you're going to see at least a 60-40, 70-30 kind of a shift. I mean, uh, I got to be honest with you. You know, the first game in the Big 12, this regular season, you couldn't sell it out. You got close, you got like 36, 37,000 fans in there, 90% Cougar fans, but you couldn't sell the dang thing out, Robert. And I think it's one of those things that uh, it's going to take some time. The Rice loss really sucked the wind out of a lot of fans, and, you know, rightfully so. That was an inexcusable loss to lose in that fashion, never mind the opponent, but to lose in the fashion that they did, um, to let the game even get that far, triple overtime, quad overtime, whatever it was, it was just stupid. Um I mean, look, UT, UT fans are everywhere. I mean, they're going to, they're going to pack the place. You're going to know it. You're going to see it. You're going to hear it. And do they keep it close? I mean, look, Rice kept the damn thing close in the first half. They were in that football game early third quarter against UT, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. And I was surprised, but that's early in the season. UT should be playing with a lot of confidence right now. Um, I think Quinn Ewers is the real deal. I like him a lot at quarterback. I mean, maybe it's close, but for the for for the Cougars to even have a, a shot, a sniff at this thing, they're going to have to create turnovers. They're going to have to do something that they haven't done all season long, and that's show creativity and execution on the offensive side of the ball and the ability to disguise coverages defensively and stop the big plays. And when you're asking a team to do multiple things for the first time when you hadn't seen it all season long, I mean, that's a difficult thing, especially a top 10 ranked opponent. But, I mean, did they keep it close maybe for a half? I wouldn't be surprised. Are they going to win this game? And is it going to look like it was it was a game at the end? Probably not. I mean, I think UT is a 20-point favorite, 20, 22-point favorite. I think they probably cover. Let's move to the Rockets. And, Sean, the last two games against the Spurs, kind of a letdown with no Wemby in one of them. No Jalen Green, and either with the toenail issue. And the second one had no Villain Brooks, Van Vliet, uh, Tari Eason either. Brooks and Van Vliet were out due to rest. Yeah. I know it's preseason, Sean, but for a team trying to rebuild and come up with a winning identity and chemistry who has a new system and two new starters, I just don't get not playing Brooks and Van Bleet for a preseason game. These aren't, it's not even a back to back game here in the preseason. We're not talking about, hey, bring out Brooks and Van Bleet for 36 minutes, just some preseason minutes and, and continue to build the chemistry, at least for a quarter. I just didn't get that. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. It's a fair point. I think that's uh, the expectation from, from a fan base. Um, you know, that has so much new personnel and a new system, everything. You want to see what you got. You want to make sure, you know, the coach understands what he has and you've got full functionality. 
uh, because the preseason isn't long. <laughs> you know, the regular season is going to be here before you know it. And so you want to work out as many kinks as you possibly can and uh, grow continuity on the floor and get these guys going. But at the same time, you know, uh, I kind of I, I trust and, and until it bites us. Right. I, I'm going to have to say this. I kind of trust Ime Odoka and his pulse of, of the team, the pulse of the guys. And could be one of those situations where, you know what? You talk to a guy in Dylan Brooks, you talk to a guy in Fred Van Vliet the day after a game. Hey, how's your body feeling? Eh, you know, it's not 100%. Okay, no need to push it because what I was looking for that particular game, I saw. What I was looking for that particular game from you or, you know, the continuity between you and this guy and that guy, yeah, maybe maybe I was comfortable with it. So um, I, I'm not that worried about it, but I do think it's a fair observation, a fair point to make. Um, and an expectation to have that, yeah, you want to get these guys as much time on the floor together as possible. Yeah, the other thing about all that was just it wasn't like Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. It just looked like a, uh, it looked like a great starting five with those yeah. two guys on, on them in the Monday game. Of course, no Jalen Green, but they they didn't look good against the Spurs most of that game. It was their backups that pulled them back in and won the game. Yeah. So that just thought just that that's a thought with me. And then after watching four preseason right. games. What, what, what I, are you gonna say? I, I just, I, you know, I think there's a but there. I, I know it's backups, and you know, you kind of have to parse these preseason games up a little bit and look at. All right, here's what the starters did. But I think, you know, from a team wide standpoint, I think there is something to it, especially in basketball when you're going out there. I mean, it's you're not there's not 35 guys you can throw out there, you know, and say, hey. Let's go yeah. execute this brand of basketball. They, they they won with G League guys though on the Monday game. It was the yeah. G League guys in the fourth quarter. It was this is like not guys that, that are going to be on the roster at all. Really. But I like I like that adversity, you know, from a team wide standpoint that you face. Like, hey, you know, we didn't play our best brand of basketball. Let's go out there. It's still a game. I know it's a game within a game. Again, I I, I totally get it. You know, you got to parse these things up and and look at it that way. But just in a general, objectively, from a team-wide standpoint, I like the fact that they faced adversity, and as a team, they came back, fought their way back into the game, and ended up getting the dub. I think that's yeah. I think that's part of like team building chemistry and building a culture. You can use that as a stepstone, and certainly Ime Adoka will. Yeah, I just don't give a crap about Darius Days beating the Austin Spurs in the fourth quarter. It just didn't mean anything for me that that game on Monday. Also, after watching the fourth first four preseason games, my major big picture concern is still interior defense. This was a concern last year. And despite seeing improvement in the overall defense, Sean, Shangun and Jabari still look really below average. I, I would say Shangun has gone from, oh, he's not awful to, yeah, but he's still below average. They're still doing this drop coverage stuff a lot, which I've seen, which is a whole other conversation. Your brother, Ali Bajani, you know, that'd be a good conversation with him because I'm sure he's looking at how they're using Changun there. I, I know there's some buzz about his improvement, Changun's, but with the new coaching staff going from awful to below average, below average, it's not enough. And both of them, they've got to get tougher. I mean, you know, Zach Collins was just killing them on Monday and Wednesday in the post, just killing them. Zach Collins, I mean, this isn't, Jokic or Embiid or whatever, he would just go go down there, put Jabari in the in, in, in the washer dryer, and 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 it was an easy bucket every time. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a fair criticism, but, you know, when you're looking for that toughness, you know how it goes with these basketball players. Uh, it's it's a give and take. Uh, some guys have the ability, the propensity, the mindset to be able to go 100 miles per hour on both sides of the court, and others are afraid to devote too much uh, because no, another part of their game might suffer. If you're looking for Alperen Shingun to be Mr. Tough Guy, the physical guy down low, I just don't think you're going to see it. That I just don't. I don't see that as a part of his game. I could see Jabari Smith developing that. And in that regard, the fact that, you know, I'm going to be a still early guy, I think it's still early in a new system, communication uh, with, you know, being in the right spots to overtake a player in the paint and contest shots and muscle guys up. I, I still think it, it, is, it is an art. It is a, a, a comfortability within a defensive system that is just not there yet. And it can get there. But I, I don't foresee that style, that part of Shingun's game that just hasn't shown itself. Yes, I just don't think it's there. But I could totally see Jabari Smith being a being that well-rounded kind of player and, and, and growing into a tougher, more physical guy defensively for the Rockets. It's just it hasn't shown its face yet. And I think the more basketball that, you know, they play together, you'll start to see it. It's just ultimately about the willingness to communicate and execute and be in the best position to contest shots. And I thought there were some shots, particularly in that Spurs game, that I just – you've got to be able to contest. You sh- they gave up so many easy baskets that I just thought they're fundamental. It's just a willingness to cut across the lane, throw your hands up, and make the shot that much more difficult on guys that I didn't see. It was eh, – you know, we'll get it back on the other end. And that's the mentality that you've got to be able to flush. And yeah, I, on, on Shangun and Jabari, though, I'm talking about what I'm speaking to. I don't believe this is mindset. Shangun and Jabari can be and will be tough guys. I'm worried about there's a physicality that they don't have. Like Jabari right now, and maybe it doesn't come. You don't know how a body's going to develop. He's gained muscle. There's no question about it. Yeah. Shangun's gained muscle since they both started. I'm not saying they're not, they're not working on it and they're not trying, but some guys, it's just some guys have that old man, you know, physical. When you're at the gym, and the, and you're like, what the hell, this guy? I can't, I can't move yeah. him. And and Jabari and Shangun, neither one of them have that. You know, they're vertical, obviously. Their physicality right. and their vertical. You know, Jabari's long, but he's not like a quick jumper. He's not a fast. You know. There, there's some limits to them physically. And, and, sure. and, and of course, that's why they were going after Brooke Lopez. And there's, you know, this is talked about amongst the Rockets community. And I'm just jumping on board. I'm not saying anything anybody else hasn't talked about. They, they really could use that five that is going to be able to contest shots and weak side and stuff like that. And, and, and Udoka had that guy and Robert Williams that just was traded to Portland and maybe. Portland makes him available. Maybe the Rockets go after him. I don't know. But that's that's really the type of guy that they need. Somebody that can contest shots and and and, and if not if not contested, at least, you know, be somebody that's like a stump and hard to move inside. One of those yeah, two yeah. things, at least. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I just don't see it coming from from in, coming from Shagoon. Um, but 
look, you can you can be in position and, and just contest shots. You can be in position. You can communicate better to put yourself in position. And whether you hold your ground or not, look, I mean, it's just you're right. I mean, sometimes that old man strength, not sometimes, I mean, it's usually gonna win out. But um in terms of just being able being able to, I guess, go all in on that side of the court, I see it coming from Jabari more than I do Shingoon. Um, he might be one of those guys that um, you love what you get from him on the offensive end. It's just he's going to leave something to be desired on the defensive end. You're going to have to live with it. That's kind of where I feel like he's at right now and where he's going to be. Yeah, I, I, I hate to say it because I know there's a lot of people that love the guy. I, I personally am a fan of Shangoon, the person, and he can be fun to watch. But if we're talking about of the young guys that the Rockets have, there's some physical limitations with him. There's some skill limitations until he starts hitting the outside shot, which he still seems a little bit shaky about taking that outside shot when it's there because it's always there. I like still, that little fadeaway in the lane, though. That little uh, <laughs> that little fadeaway in the lane, man. If that's something he could get working and get get done in space more times than not, that's gonna be a nice shot. Yeah, he was throwing a little bit of that. It's it was that little dirt kind of one one footed yeah. fall away last year. He he was doing it last year a little bit. Um, but they really need him to expand it out to three-point range because if you're going to be this incredible passer, the jokiches of the world, they become better because guys have to get up on them. And 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 you're you're not you're not passing four against five. And that and that's what's basically happened with Shangoon. It's four against five because the other the other defender is so far, your defender is so far off you. So that that's going to be an issue, I think, until he gets that down. Yeah, no, I think it's fair. All right, well, listen to us uh, do the Rockets post game this weekend. Of course, you know when what the days and times are. It's Friday afternoon. We're going to be back and uh, early Friday evening, I guess you'll say, with for the post game, and then Sunday evening. And uh, next week, we'll preview. Me and Sean's definitely going to have a preview of the the Texans and the Carolina Panthers. Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud. So that should be kind of fun. Uh, stay tuned for all that. Until next time, have a good one. Thanks, Sean. Yes, sir. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.